Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Wonderful. So we're starting a new series called Home, and I really am very, very excited by this new series. We're going to be running through uh, Luke's Gospel, um, chapter 15, and we're going to be running through... um, an extraordinary um, set of parables uh, that Jesus spoke, and he spoke these set of parables um, right um, after he had been accused in Luke 15, chapter 1, after he'd been accused of hanging with tax collectors and sinners. It says in Luke 15, verse 1, let me just read this to you in the New King James. I think this is the New King James. I was reading and cutting and pasting from various versions, and it was meant to be New King James, but it could be. Who knows what it is? Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. Now, I'm not going to read through the parables because he went through three parables, three parables about three lost, different lost um, circumstances, a, a lost sheep, a lost coin and a lost son and how they all found their way back home. Now, I don't know about you, but I found that there has been a, a point in my life where I, I simply kind of found myself maybe a little lost, a, a little bit sort of missing the mark in life. When, when I was 16, um, I was coming to the end of my school education. And for those of you um, who don't know my um, story at school, I, I went to school to see how much I could irritate school teachers. That was my <laughs> calling, my calling in life. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sent to learn anything. I was sent to test them. And, uh, and I did test them very well. Some of them were drawn to absolute frustration, uh, sometimes tears, um, embarrassment. I remember one school teacher um, absolutely bright red when I stood on a desk after she told me to get off. But I said, Miss, I love you. And uh, she was so embarrassed. She went bright red and quiet. And uh, I continued to stand on the desk. And uh, I kind of found, but when I got to the age of 16, I discovered that there were things called exams. And I hadn't realized, I hadn't equated the problem of exams at the end that you have to pass them to go on in life. And so um, I did my exams. Um, well, I went to them. Let's say that I went to my exams. And, uh, but I didn't even get my exam results sent to me because... In those days, to get your exam results sent, you had to go to the school at some time before your exams with a stamped address envelope with a stamp on it. Of course, I wasn't going to do that, was I? And uh, so I never even got my exam results. Uh, I had eventually to go back and I say, I haven't got my exam results. Well, you should have been sent them. Well, and, uh, and then they had to look through the system and they just went, yeah, you didn't do very well. And, uh, and that was it. What I discovered, having finished school, having failed my exams, that I wasn't even able to get into college. Everyone went to college, and I was excluded. I found that I was excluded in every aspect of my life. And at that moment, it was just like everything began to shut down, and I began to wonder, 
Now what am I going to do? And it wasn't like I was stupid. I would behave stupid, but it wasn't that I was stupid. You with me here? It wasn't that I was intellectually challenged. I was just um, behaviorally challenged. Is that a behaviorally? <laughs> I'm not sure that's even a word. I would just, and so there was this, this problem with this exclusion. Now, the Bible says uh, that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And here the thing with us is that we don't equate ourselves with sinners because we think that sinners are those people who are morally defunct. Someone who is a thief, a murderer, some kind of criminal, a crooker, uh, a person who is, is um, just completely dishonest. And, and so society has equated sin with that level of behavior. The rest of us are not sinners. But the word sin in the Bible simply means to miss the mark. Simply means to miss the mark. Jesus was eating with tax collectors who were the criminal dishonest thieves and the rest of them who simply missed the mark. And I was, as a 16-year-old, an educational sinner. I had educationally missed the mark. And, and that excluded me from a life of education. And so I had to educate myself by other means to learn the things that I needed to learn. It was at the age of 16. I actually at the age of 15. I really met with Christ and, and got saved and baptized at 16. Uh, I was baptized in the spirit and leading a, a youth group. But of course, my education my educational sort of systems were, were done and dusted by that point, and it was um, I had to learn by other means. And but what I found was that there was an exclusion, and there we have in this time with the Pharisees this this complaint because Jesus is hanging out with those people who are excluded. Another thing with the Pharisees is that they had a religious structure and system where they had created a religion that was, exclus- that was exclusive and excluding rather than inclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I think around the world, all religion is excludes. All religion excludes. And all ungodly Christian church faith excludes Two, it creates an environment that excludes someone from coming in. You with me here? I was raised in traditional church and traditional church, you had people who had a true heart for God. Cheryl's grandmother was uh, uh, and grandfather were my Sunday school teachers. uh, And they had a very, had a deep, pure desire for the things of God. But there was an exclusion in the chapel that we used to go to. And the exclusion is you had to wear a shirt and tie. If you didn't wear a shirt and tie, you were kind of like, they were, but if you're a lady and you didn't have a hat on, you were simply asked not to come in. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are some places my father would, would chuckle away to me. Um, he was raised in a, in a church um, group that was known as Gospel Standard. And the Gospel Standard church group were so exclusive. They probably don't exist today, probably by their own means, like because no one was allowed to go. And uh, my father used to laugh because 
um, he and there are other church groups still like this today. The men weren't allowed to wear a tie. We were growing up in a, in a Baptist, strict Baptist, where you had to wear a tie. But the men in, in his um, church that he went to, they weren't allowed to wear a tie. Because the Bible says, you shall have no earthly ties. And <laughs> honestly, they translated it. You shall have no earthly ties, so they don't wear ties. I kid you not. And so it is that religion has created exclusion. And, it's, and, and it creates exclusion to create a standard that says this is acceptable and this is not acceptable. But Jesus puts all of this on its head and he becomes a disruptor. Do you know one of the great buzzwords that go around today is disruption and being a disruptor. You get Food disruptors. Food disruptors are those people who, sit, who look, look to break the control of huge organizations that control the flow of food. There is, a, there is actually uh, a, one of the great challenges of governments around the world is, is um, the, the process of getting food to their, uh, to their people and getting energy. And, and you get energy disruptors, just people who, who break the strongholds of, of, of organizations that, that are sort of so sort of committed to their own financial means that they'll do anything to stop other people cornering in on their market. And so you get food disruptors, you get energy disruptors, you get banking disruptors. I like these, but the banking disruptors, you get people who are creating financial systems that exclude the means of even going to the bank. And, uh, and, and all of the profits that the banks take for themselves, they, they make it more accessible, it's more democratic. And Jesus come along and he just disrupts the religious strongholds of the Pharisees. And so here are the Pharisees and they have walked down the streets to see Jesus eating in someone's house. We don't know whose house it was at this particular time. There are different places that Jesus ate. And here it was and they come in. Now when a Pharisee walked down the road, they would be dressed in all of their robes and they would pull all of their robes in so as not to touch anyone. Now you may think, well, whoopee do. But you've got to understand that their robes were given according to the word of God. According to Moses, their robes were given as a means of displaying God's word and God's promises and God's name. So upon the robes, they weren't just, it wasn't just a coat they got in at Fat Face or, or, or John Lewis or wherever you shop, right? It wasn't just a coat they just some, some auntie had knocked up for them. The coats were made, the ropes were made with tassels, knots and windings on the end. And the tassels, knots and windings represented the 613 laws. They represented, and I forget all the different numbers, the names of God, um, the, the, the promises of God, the knots and the windings represented the names and the promises of God. So as they walked, their robes represented the full covenant promise and intent of the purposes of God as a covering over them. The word of God was designed for all man that it may touch and cover them. But because of their exclusivity, we are better than you. They kept the word to themselves. But Jesus was recognized by the 
The Pharisees, to begin with, this is still quite early in his ministry, they recognized Jesus as being a man who was a man of worth and note. He was intellectually, he was um, their equal. He was able to withstand their comments and they knew that he brought the word with great power and authority. Yet his tassels and the robes that he kept around him, they were allowed to touch other people. We know, in fact, that when Jesus was walking down the road, when he was going to the house um, of a uh, of a uh, priest whose daughter was sick, while he was going down, people are thronging around him, pushing into him, and a woman, it says, who had had an issue of blood, a flow of blood for 12 years, was unable to get it, and she runs in, and she sees her healing in his robes, because his robes carried the word of God, and the covenant of God, and she grabs a hold of the corner of his robe, and she is instantly healed. The Bible says in Malachi and chapter 4, let me read this to you. Malachi um, chapter 4, I've just gone through all my notes here. (laughs) Uh, Malachi, oh I don't know where I've got it. Malachi chapter 4, it says, I'm just going to recite it. And it says, then the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out like storm-fed uh, calves. And so we understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, there it is, shall arise with healing in his wings. The wings weren't wings like angels' wings. The wings were definition of the robes that the priests and the people wore. Are you with me? And so when Jesus walked, he walked with his robes and his robe was healing. It was carried the word and as he walked, so his, the word of God, the promises of God, the inclusion of God that all men shall come to the knowledge of him shall come and so his robes were accessible and if you could see the promises of God if you could lay a hold of the promises of God you could grab a hold of them Jesus had his robes accessible so that all of God's promises were you could grab a hold of and here is Jesus eating with people who were excluded and he was including them in his world We've got to understand that there is the church is being built into something new. God is doing something extraordinarily new. We see here in Mark's Gospel, Mark's Gospel chapter, chapter 2. And verse 14. Thank you, Lord. Be healed. (laughs) (laughs) Then, this this is Jesus. Then moving on, he saw Levi... The son of Alphaeus. Now, Levi is actually Matthew. If you, if you want to know who Levi is, Levi is Matthew. Just like Simon is Peter. It, it gets confusing, right? And we saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. And while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house. I like that. He's reclining at the table in Levi's house. He's chilled. Right. 
with many tax collectors and sinners were also guests with Jesus and his disciples because there were many who were following him. When the, excuse me, when the scribes saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked him and said, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard this. He said to them, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do need one. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. On a side note here, notice he didn't call the Pharisees righteous. He just let them think he did. (laughs) He didn't call them righteous. He just let them think he did. He came to call those who had been excluded. And he came and there he is and he's eating with sinners. He's eating and basically he would have been eating from a common bowl of soup. And one of the reasons why you shouldn't eat Uh, the Jews could not eat with the Gentiles was because you would become one. Eating is a covenant act. Eating a meal together is a covenant act. One of the things that we are doing in this new season is that we're encouraging people to eat more. (laughs) The whole world is trying to tell us to eat less, but but Jesus ate his way through the gospel and... (laughs) And I reckon that's a a good way to follow. He set the standard and we're running on in. And they would have sat at the table and they would have had a common bowl of soup. Each one was given bread and they would have ripped off a piece of bread. They would have just dug it into the soup, um, soaked up the, the, the liquid and then ate. And then probably double dipped which is often a common, I'm a, I'm a double dipper, I confess. I, if you're eating with me and I take a bite, I will put it in and take another one. But what the heck, no one's died so far. So Jesus was there eating and he was eating in a covenant act way with tax collectors and sinners, those who were excluded Because these are people who've missed the mark. These are the ones who don't reach the standard of acceptability. They haven't reached the standard of religious knowledge. They haven't reached the standard of religious behavior. They are excluded from the kingdom of God. I need you to understand that a place called home is a place called inclusion. Everyone should have a place called home. The church is a place called home. When Jesus begins to tell the story in, in, in Luke 15, we see that he be, as he begins to tell the story, he speaks each time at a place that is called home and there from the home. The sheep is lost, the coin is lost, the son is lost, but they always find their way back home. And so we have to understand that when Jesus steps into Levi's house and there he is eating at Levi's table with with Levi's friends who are the most excluded of society. They're 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 people who are going to hang out with him, the corrupt, the broken, those who are rejected. And Jesus says, these are my disciples. These are my friends. These ones are included. We've got to understand that there is, that the kingdom of God is first inclusive. First inclusive. You can't ask for a standard of righteousness if you exclude them from the standard in the first place. You have to invite them in to lead them on. You've got to give them hope. You've got to give them acceptance. 
And Jesus is reclining at a table. He was as comfortable in the presence of thieves, murderers, prostitutes, as he was in the presence of scribes. In fact, he was a lot more comfortable because when he was in the presence of the religious, he just got irritated (laughs) by their religiosity, by their supposed purity, when he knew the darkness of their heart. This house is a place called home. And we have to understand that the kingdom of God is first and foremost a place called home. And a place called home is a place where we eat together. Now, I I want you to see what happens here. You see, the Bible says in, in Revelation 3 verse 20, it says, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And then I will eat all your food. (laughs) And I will eat with you and you will eat with me. In other words, we will have covenant fellowship first. Jesus comes to the door of our hearts and he knocks at the door of our home. He comes into our home and he eats our food as if it's his home. In other words... Where Jesus' purpose of home is about healing those who are excluded. The moment Jesus enters the home, the home is no longer excluded but included. The moment you allow Jesus into your heart, you're no longer excluded but you're included. Jesus, Jesus just knocking on the door saying, hey, just let me in. I'm not asking I'm not asking for you to be dressed properly or the place to be in good order. I just want to come in. Whenever we have friends, there is always a standard by which we have to get the house to a certain standard. Cheryl and I have different measurements of what that standard is. And uh, she'll say, the bathroom needs cleaning. I just want... It's right to me. <laughs> but what she means is, regardless of, of whether it's clean or not, you have to clean it again. And, and because it just has to be done. There is, a, there is a standard. But here's the thing with Christ. Christ says, just let me in. Yeah. Don't worry about the bathroom. Yeah. Don't whether you've, you've, you've done the dishes or you've got the place in it. Just let me in. I want to eat with you. Well, fix up the washing up at a later time. I, I want to eat. You ever get home and, or as a family, you just rush in and you, you, it's late and you haven't eaten? The first, thing you, the, first thing you might, the, the first thing you do is you clear enough space to eat, but that's it really, isn't it? <laughs> you just get enough space to get the food on to eat. Then you think about the things that need to be done. Yeah. A place called home is a place where we eat first. And we fix the other things as they become obvious. That's a place called home. And so we see here. Now, I, I need you to see this because it, it's an amazing thing. See, in Mark 2, as Jesus is eating with Levi, at Levi's house with all his friends, something kicks off. In Mark 2, 18, now John's disciples... And the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, why does John's disciples and Pharisees' disciples fast, but your 
disciples do not fast. You can imagine being Jesus' disciple at that moment going, yes. (laughs) We just eat. And Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom is taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. Now listen to this. On the back of this statement about eating, about eating with people who are unacceptable, off the back of all of this, Jesus says this. And this is often used, this, this next verse is often used to describe God, God doing a new thing. But we always tug, if ever I've been in church, if you've been in church more than for like five years, you will hear that God is doing a new thing every time, every like three or four months, it's a new thing, right? We never know what the thing is, right? But it's definitely new, right? And so God is, a, there's a prophetic word, God is doing a new thing. But I'm going to show you what the new thing is. And it's, the thing is always the same according to the word of God. In verse 20. But the time will come, sorry, 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth and an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth and, the, and a worse tear is made. No one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst. The skins and the wine is lost as well as the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Now Jesus has disrupted the religious strongholds of the old being the framework for anyone who wanted to come into the kingdom of God. There was an exclusion of the general masses of people. But I need you to understand, we are going to eat our way through 2018. Do you know why we're going to do that? Because eating with our friends and our neighbours brings them into a new place. It's a new kind of house that doesn't exclude, that doesn't judge, that doesn't demand, that doesn't require, but simply says, come and eat a meal with me. We can fix up the things that need fixing at another time. But first, we've got to eat together because when we eat together we're one together we accept one another there's a place of love you can't hate the person who feeds you the the beauty of feasting together and Jesus is saying this is a new thing that I'm doing this is a new church that is rising up. We will have meals together. We will have groups that are coming. Let me share some of the vision that we want to see midweek groups that are eating dinners together. People gathering together to share food. What with themselves exclusively? No, you better not be. I want you to understand that if you're eating a meal, you need to get your neighbor inside and having a meal. You need those people you haven't seen for a while eating with you. You need those people who haven't been fed for a while to come and eat with you. Why? Because the kingdom of God is about drawing people into a place of covenant with one another where they can be ex- included after they, because they have been excluded. Yeah, so good. The robes of Jesus is truth. He's the robes of righteousness. The wing of Christ is for everyone. How can they come under the covering? If they're excluded from the meal. How can they come under the covering if they're excluded from the meal? 
The purpose of the church is to put on a feast. The Bible says in the last days there will be a great feast. Almost everything with God includes an incredible feast and a lot of partying. Luke's gospel, the story of the three stories, three parables. There is a lot of celebration going on. I'm telling you, God has spoken to me in such a powerful way. 2018 is going to be the wildest, happiest, exuberant year of celebration. We're going to make it possible for everyone to find a place where they feel like they've come home where they feel like they've become secure and where they feel like their life can be celebrated for the first time and never rejected, never into a place where they're not quite accepted, not quite acceptable, but known that they are loved and they're invited in to eat at the table of friends. See, this is what home is all about. Home is a place where we can discover who we truly are in Christ. Home is where ultimately our true identity is really formed. For many, many have come from broken home. Many have experienced heartache at home. And when that happens, the core of a person shifts. And a brokenness is carried with them into everything else they do. It's impossible to know it's impossible to know brokenness in, at home and not have that affect the rest of your life. Impossible. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus created a new kind of home where the brokenness is healed. Where the exclusion and the exclusivity of the religious is replaced with a new cloth of inclusion, of love, of eating together, of covenant act, of making it possible for a person to relax and find who they truly are in Christ Jesus. Home is where we're healed. Home is where we find our saviour. Home is where we dream For our future. You can't dream a dream. Unless you're healed. Of your brokenness. A lot of people. In their brokenness say. They want to help someone else. Because of their brokenness. And and you understand their their feeling. They don't want other people to experience. What they've experienced. But, But the problem with that is. They're taking their brokenness to the next generation. They're not taking their wholeness. Take the brokenness to the next generation. We're not here to take our brokenness. We're here to take the wholeness. We're here to take how we're healed, made whole, confident, full of God's word, restored, walking in right relationship with God and one another. A new rhythm and a new step, a new cloth, which gathers a whole city. I'm telling you something. We're going to see a lot of people saved. We're going to see a lot of people saved. Most of them while eating some tiramisu. (laughs) Or a good piece of steak. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was the first pudding that came to mind. It could have been apple crumble, but I don't know why. <laughs> I was just feeling a little bit more glamorous. <laughs> I went very a la carte then, didn't I? <laughs> See, God wants us to rise up. Let's stand up right now, shall we? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.